Welcome to Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. A Buddha is someone who's awake within the matrix and co-creating with divinity as a soul having a human experience. Each enlightened episode is dedicated to help you level up the energy field of your Merkaba. You can manifest the parallel reality that fits the best version of you. This podcast is for entertainment purposes and does not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Now, let's welcome your host, author Von Galt, and her guest. Aloha and welcome to another podcast episode of Merkaba Chakras. I'm your host, Vaughn Galtz, and today we go to the islands of Hawaii to learn tabled distant quantum energy healing and metaphysics with energy healing instructors and practitioners, Derek and Nidra Lanakila. Plus, they offer us even more insight on how to further co-create with nature and the spiritual beings we each have the opportunity to work with. So with that, Derek and Nidra, welcome to Merkava Chakras. Thank you. Thank you, Ron, and aloha to you. Aloha. Thank you, you too. I'm super excited. I love a little aloha in my life. Um, so being um, a little bit Lemurian, I, I suspect, um, you know, I suspect we all have a, a, a merging ancestry somewhere that has yet to be found. So before we get into your beautiful work, let's begin with how you got into this work in the first place. So ladies first, uh, Nidra, will you please tell everybody how you got into this and how your wonderful husband was introduced to it as well? Well, I was guided into um, learning about metaphysics first um, because I was raised a Catholic, a devout Catholic, and I was guided to walk backwards into metaphysics because had I known I was going to listen to someone at a metaphysical institute um, who was a psychic, I probably would not have gone because back then, the teachings were uh, of the church were that those types of things were occult and and satanic and i didn't want to do or be around anything satanic so so i i really i, I didn't know that that's what i was going to listen to and that's a long story but that was in the 70s and um the woman who was speaking was nancy ann tappy who was a renowned psychic back then, she's passed away. And she was the one who introduced the uh, indigos to the world. She's the one who talked about what they were and that they were just coming in. And um, she also read Auric Fields and she wrote a book, very thick book on um, what color is your aura. 
So that's how I got into it. And as I started to learn more about metaphysics, it was really fascinating. It made sense to me. I felt more um, connected. I, I felt more connected with the world. Like I, before that, I felt an oddball. I mm. felt a maverick. Why? Uh, just a lot of reasons, but I think the, the biggest reason really was because um, I had been, I had experienced a series of abuses, sexual abuses from harassment to rape from starting at the age of seven to my early twenties. And so I, I was, I didn't know it then, but I was dissociative uh, to survive all of that. So um, I, I just walked around a little confused and um, and uh, metaphysics made sense to me. So when I, as I, I got into it and, and listened to these teachers, they would say as, as they walk past me in the hallways, you're a healer. And I think, I don't think so. I'm a mess. That's what I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny because most healers come from messy background. <laughs> so... so. Yeah, that's the beginning. That's how it was. That's how it was. And so you, one of the things about um, the author that you had, 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 that you were interested in um, learning more from that talked about indigo oral rays. And, and I, I know these are, these are, she popularized these terms, indigo, indigo, and then they turn into crystal, and then they turn into all these other things. Um, in just for the listeners in Buddhism, the 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 term that we use for an ancient advanced wise soul that comes um into our realm with a mission um to help raise consciousness is a toku so all the lamas that are found um based on their merkaba or their mandala energy frequency is is like like yeshua like the dalai lama like all the other teachers they are toku so um but the wonderful thing about uh, miss is it tapa that wrote that book um she popularized a concept that has been around for a very very long time so now it's got a fresh look and um a fresh um audience that is attracted to material so i think there's some other ones too like dolores cannon and others that write about these um these different aura fields of these ancient toku people so you are a toku is that, am i am i or an indigo nidra is that what you oh no i'm not okay no no but that was the book children. that drew you in yeah i mean she it was the it wasn't the fact that she was speaking about um or uh, indigo children that were being born at the time in the 70s 80s 90s mm-hmm. um it wasn't that it was it was the discussions the mm. the deep dives of discussions into metaphysics that drew me in that made sense that 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 there was this thing called energy back yeah. then in the 70s and like what is that and uh so it made it made sense to me yeah so and then you got yeah. And so then you got into energy healing. Yes. So how did you get into energy healing from studying metaphysics? 
I um, I picked up a book, Deepak Chopra's book called Quantum Healing. Mm, yes, I read the book. Mm. And I can't say that I read the whole book, but what I did read about it, it just propelled me into seeing other possibilities and understanding, uh, getting a, a grasp, a barely a grasp of what quantum healing might be like. And that the, the concept that our body-mind intelligence would actually be the factor that could substantially or profoundly um, uh, shift the body's frequencies of dis-ease into uh, realigning itself with wellness. That just excited me and I was propelled forward in exploring that and I found myself um, just working with the concepts on myself as well as other people who volunteered because mm-hmm. I would say of course you know I'm I'm just practicing I'm trying to figure this out and it just kept, continued to grow and that was in the 70s and then in about five years six years maybe seven years I had a better grasp of it mm-hmm. and I understood for me that it wasn't about manipulating the energy in a person's um, body or frequency field. It was learning how to communicate with the body-mind intelligence uh, after I'd spoken to the person to to deliver to the body-mind intelligence. This is what Joanne wants. She Mm. doesn't want to feel toxic every time she's driving behind a school bus. Mm. She doesn't want to feel caught in her throat or have a headache she wants she wants to feel um well and it just continued to work it continued to work and i the more i got out of my own way and this was in the 80s the more it seemed to work Mm. so it just held me and inspired me to continue to explore and then um at the late 80s uh, long story short, um, a Filipino psychic surgeon mm-hmm. uh, contacted me, his, his people contacted me and said he wanted to, m- me to work with him. Not a system, but work side by side. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard what a, a psychic surgeon, I had never heard the term. I didn't understand what that was. So I, I went to one of his, his, um, his uh, gatherings and observed him and was floored that that he was doing what he was doing and which was literally he seemed to part the skin Mm -hmm. very I mean just a light touch over the body it was like Mm -hmm. like the body responding and and opening and then um, there would be manifestations of what apparently were toxic symptoms that he removed from the body. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then he would run his hand like this 
over the body and it would close up and there would just be this light, light pink line there. It was really fascinating. And I, I worked with him for almost two years um, because I said, well, I, I'll work with you because it's such a phenomenal experience mm -hmm. for humans mm -hmm. that they don't get what just happened because it happens in maybe three minutes and, and they need to, their bodies need energy work to support this. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did with it. I did, mm -hmm. uh, we did tandem work and I learned even more than I thought I, I even knew was available in working with him and work, understanding energy from that place. And then, and so it just has continued. That was by then that was, um, very early 90s. Mm -hmm. Wow, long, long journey. Now, Der Derek, um, what got you into energy healing with your wife? Um, well, I was, uh, um, I was always, I was, I've been kind of interested in, in spirituality. I was exploring my own spirituality and, and um, uh, it was soon, it was actually soon after, within several months after I'd met Nidra, we, that was, that's a whole nother story, but we met at a, basically oh. an energy, energy workshop and. Uh, oh, did you just kind of all of a sudden just feel her energy? I was attracted to this woman. Um, that was the mid nineties. Mid nineties. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was in love with her after our first date. I knew. Me too. You're like, oh, okay. we were going to get married. <laughs> yep. Okay, was, so I have to I have to ask about this because I hear this a lot. I actually do wedding flowers on the side, uh, a supplemental income, and I hear a lot of these kind of stories. I don't know what it is, but I attract these kind of clients. Um, even in my wedding business, and even in my hypnosis um, side practice as well. But a lot of them find a lot of them metaphysical or spiritual and they end up finding each other in these kind of unusual ways and they can be in a huge auditorium auditorium of like 500 people going through different booths and it's just like the C's part and all they see is that person that one person out of 500 people and it just sounds so fantastic it sounds so surreal so you guys just described the same exact thing a lot of my clients describe as well so what was it about her because I'm sure there's other Asian women walking around what was it about her that you were attracted to that in an energy or in a metaphysical metaphysical convention that drew you to her I mean was it like a compass going here? <laughs> you know, that's, um, I mean, in, in, in hindsight, looking back to that first, first encounter, seeing her, cause I was already in the room and saw her walking in the room. Um, in hindsight, I was just drawn immediately to her energy. Uh, I felt that immediately and, and was, uh, for the next three days kept, you're trying to get to know her more and more, uh, uh, chasing her around basically, because uh, yeah, I just felt something. <laughs> I didn't know all of what it was. I didn't know how connected we were and how how um, much our story was going to intertwine. But I knew that this was somebody I I I wanted to know more. 
Wow, very overwhelming um, gut instinct there. So, so you met her at a convention, a, a energy healing convention or metaphysics convention? It was a training actually put oh, on. Oh, was it? Uh, okay. It um, uh, put on by a, a gentleman by the name of Sage Hope uh, called the Celebration Experience. Uh, I don't know if he's still doing them anymore, but uh, um, it was really about energy awareness and starting to see, you know, the things that we do as as humans and 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 some of the blocks and walls we put up and and how to how to get beyond some of that so i uh, i was there as a facilitator and nidrick was there as a facilitator so that's where we we kind of met so yeah we i mean that's a whole nother story that we probably don't have time for but uh we within within three months uh, i had moved i was living in northern california and she was uh, um, in southern california in the in idlewild in a beautiful mm -hmm. community a mile high up in the in the pine trees and so <clears throat> i moved down to to move in with her and i was having car problems and um my car was overheating and so I put this thing called stop stop leak, which is an aluminum flakes that if you put into your radiator, it, it goes to where the hole is in the radiator and, and stops it. It's a very temporary mm -hmm. fix to uh, a cheap fix because I was broke at the time, a cheap fix to, to fix the car. And so I put that in there and I drove around the block and uh, the car was still steaming overheating. And I, I opened up the hood and I was, you know, looking at it and the, the, the cap blew off Ooh. and all this steaming hot liquid um, and these metal flakes went all over me on my face, my arms. Um, and I was in, you know, a deep shock uh, with it. And uh, thank God I was at the house uh, in the driveway. Mm. And I ran, uh, I didn't, I walked into the house and called Nidra down because I knew she was a healer, but I didn't. You know, I didn't know. Can you that. heal my car? <laughs> yeah, and I, I said, I need a healing. And she came down and when she looked, when she saw me, I could see this shock on her face, like, oh my God, what happened? Because I didn't see my face. I didn't know how bad it was, but I could see my arms. I could see they were already starting to welt up uh, with, with burns, starting to, to bubble up. Um, and so she sat me down uh, on the couch and she just was about to start working on me and she stopped. And she said, well, I'm hearing that I can, I can heal you, but I'm also hearing this is an opportunity uh, for you to learn how to heal yourself. What would you like? And through the pain, <laughs> I, I was smart enough to say, yes, please, I, I'll learn, I wanna learn. And she guided me and within, I think within 10 minutes that um, pain had gone away and then within, within 20 to 30 minutes, I could see the redness starting to subside, the welts starting mm -hmm. to go down. And within two days, um, pretty much all evidence of that was gone. What, a, what, a, what should have been a scars in, in a lot of areas um, was gone, except for one small, I don't know if you can see it, but there's one small scar the size of a pencil eraser on my wrist that I know was left there so that I would know that this was real, that this really happened. Because to me, that was miraculous. This was uh, incredible. And, and from there, I went into a five-year training under her, almost 24 seven, 
Uh, well, you live together, so that's 24 <laughs> seven. I would get woken training. up at night at two o'clock in the morning and say, okay, you need to work on this person. Uh, and one of Nidra's gifts is to be able to see uh, what, through my eyes, see what I'm doing when I'm energetically working on somebody and to help correct that and to, to share with me what I'm, what I'm missing or what blocks are in the way. So the first six months of that training was all about me working on myself. I wasn't even allowed to work on anybody else. Right. I had to work on myself and, and uh, you know, get through a lot of my BS and my walls enough yeah. that I could start working on somebody else. And then, then it was all volunteer. It was a volunteer clinic mm-hmm. where uh, she would often be there with me, kind of watching over. Uh, and then at some point, it got to the place where she didn't need to be right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and she could, we would, we would talk afterwards and she could see what I had done with the clients. And, and it was, um, it was a pretty intense training. It certainly challenged our relationship a few times. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. We, living and working together, you know, a lot yes. of people can't do that. So, but, um, she has a very specialized, uh, skill. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it was also she an does. opportunity to, she um, does. Then eventually she taught me how to do it from a distance to the place where, uh, I mean, I started by working first, I was hands-on, but then, uh, she had me work, uh, you know, uh, an inch off the body, then mm-hmm. a foot off the body, then from across the room. And then pretty soon I was able to do it with, you know, from, from where we lived up in the mountains to right. somebody down, you know, hours away. And now there's, there's no, right. Let no me ask t- you a question. Um, cause you guys bring up two two points that um, I'd like to have clarify. One, Nidra taught you and she has the ability to have clear um, clear intuition. Your third eye is really open. You have really clear intuition. So you're able to kind of like um, pick up the subtle instructions from other spiritual beings or from source. And you also... Um, one of the things it sounded like that you're working with him at the time on doing was to kind of clear up the throat chakra so that he wouldn't hold himself back to kind of speaking because those two are connected that 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 spiritual insight and then being able to just pick the, up that that energy instruction and just kind of say it naturally like oh i'm getting this try this so that seems to be something that you were really really skilled at doing um nidra um can you tell people what that is like so that they don't go crazy if it happens to them? I'm not sure I understand the question. I didn't teach Derek that. Okay. No, so me, no. when, when you get, uh, when you get insight into, okay, well, I see this, you need to do this. You need to do that. Where does that come from? Oh, you mean when we were reviewing yeah, when she was what, training me, when you were when training me. When we were me. reviewing what, what Derek was doing on clients, mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. what you're asking? Yeah, and you, you, when, you were, when he was working on clients and you were seeing him do certain things and you're like, oh, you got to do it this way, I'm seeing it this way, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Where did you get that clarity from? I'm clairvoyant. There's I'm the answer, yeah. Clairsentient. Yeah. There you go. So all the to travel back to where he was and see what he did. 
and and that's what we would review okay so it's some people say that's your intuition you're having a clear channel intuitive channel to pick up those subtle um i don't call it my intuition you don't call what do you call it clairvoyant clairaudient clairsentient okay so the clairs yeah just just what i said being able to travel back at at a given point in time given the client or the student that i'm working with and see as because they want me to see um and in that given agreement i'm able to see um what's happening and ask them questions about why they did what they did yeah yeah. and and then bring them to the place of when you stopped here you left there was still more for you to hold the note about right so for both of you guys is is this a skill that you guys teach in your courses not yet not yet okay but you're working on it um we'll get there we're not in a hurry to teach this, um, but we know that we'll, we'll probably get there. We'll probably be teaching it. Um, you know, we've just got so much going on um, that it's kind of lower on the scale on, mm-hmm. on the priority list. It will come. It will come. But so these are things to look forward to um, as you guys evolve in your um, your teaching to the public. So let's get to the questions. I'm getting to the questions about the quantum healing. So can you describe what distant quantum healing is? What is because for 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 me, for Buddhists, there is no distance. It's all in the mind. But for others, they're like, of course, there's a distance so from here to there. There's a distance from here to another state and to another country. Uh, it's all a matter of perception. So can you describe what distant quantum healing is to people? Uh, so <clears throat> I'll describe what what our uh, I'll, I'll describe what my work is. Um, so when I when I use the word distant, um, I use it so that people know that I don't have to be in person. Um, because I agree, there is no, there's no distance barrier at all to energy work. It's all, doesn't matter. I, I work with people when I'm in a plane, when they're in a plane, uh, around the world. That it no longer comes into play for me, but people need to know, oh, he can work from a distance. So I do use that term so that they know that they don't have to travel to Hawaii in mm-hmm. order to, to work with me. Um, and the the work i mean much like nidra described about herself about how she the more she got out of the way the the more effective she was mm-hmm. that's what she taught me uh, how to get out of my way what you know how I, was i in my way of allowing this energy so uh, when i work with somebody i really am um being that delivering that frequency mm-hmm. it's not my frequency it's yeah. what is when they come to me, uh, um, we, you know, on a phone call or whatever, when they come to me for, for healing, they give me a list of what they want to work on. Mm-hmm. They give me their goals, basically. And mm-hmm. from that place, their higher self or the universe or whatever that combination is, that frequency will, uh, when, I work, when, I, when I'm working with that client from a distance, from my home, wherever they are, Mm-hmm. Um, that comes through me, 
uh, it's not my energy, it comes through me and it's delivered to their body, mind, intelligence. And then their body, mind, intelligence takes that and, and says, oh, I, I know what to do with this. I, I, I see what, what uh, Joanne is wanting now mm-hmm. um, and takes that energy and starts to do what it sees it needs to do. Now, because I'm not manipulating energy, because I'm not doing anything, it um, it's a process. So I, uh, I I always work with a client for a minimum of a month. Uh, we mm-hmm. do three treatments a week because it's it needs to be continued to do until the body mind intelligence really gets it on its own. Now, whether sometimes they're feeling 30% better and their body, mind intelligence now is getting it and it can heal them on their own. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they get 50% better. Sometimes it's 70, 90, whatever. But my goal is never to try to heal somebody to hundred percent. My goal is always to be that, that vessel that is delivering this frequency that their body, mind, intelligence can start to reinterpret and re-understand so it can heal itself. So right. I'm not healing them, their body's healing them, but I'm, I'm facilitating them something that, that, that they've forgotten or that they've, they've gone a different direction on their, their body has. Right. Right. You just, you're the facilitator. They do their own self-healing. Yes, yes, I I completely understand it. Now, what are the emotional and spiritual reasons that may cause unease in the body in the first place that you typically find in your clients? Uh, You want to jump into that one? You want me to answer that? You're on a roll. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, I, I pretty much always see a connection to physical, emotional, and spiritual. Um. I may end up working more on on certain areas or focusing more on those areas only because they put that as their goal. But when I'm delivering that frequency, it's also looking at the whatever's going on in their body that's mm-hmm. emotionally or spiritually may be um, connected to this. So I, I often see when I'm watching the energy. Uh, right. Um, when I'm watching it, it working, I often see, oh, it's, it's working on the emotional aspect. Mm-hmm. I can see it's working on some old belief or some old fear or some old pattern that's going on that is in the way of their physical healing or may have contributed to it. Um, I don't know the story of it. That's not my gift to know exactly what's going on. And, mm-hmm. and I know that there's so much going on in the body far yeah. beyond what I'm seeing when this energy is happening. Uh, but I, I always trust that their, their body, mind intelligence is going to take that and do what it, what it needs to do. And, and yes, sometimes it is releasing some sort of emotional pattern or a layer of that emotional pattern. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Oftentimes uh, there's, there's layers released and then my clients will have insights that, uh, you know, their own breakthroughs as a result of, you know, maybe a layer kind of being released, but then they're Mm -hmm. able to take it to a much deeper place uh, um, on their own. So uh, it's, it's pretty exciting to see. It's exciting to hear back from them, uh, you know, what, what happened for them and how, how things are changing in their life. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely a combination of of that. Yeah. I, 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 I wonder what the common, um, belief pattern or um 
conditioning that most people deal with you know because like when you're teach when you're when you're teaching this in your classes um their your client your, i'm sorry your clients and also your students clients will be getting clients and many of them will exhibit similar patterns so um i wonder what the, the top is there is is there a top three common ones that you typically find like i know you don't go too deep into how it came about but afterwards after the healing do do the clients start working on the issues that cause the unease in the body in the first place and kind of start resolving those issues do you hear anything back from that you know, it's all over the place because I get I get clients that come to me that are, you know, they're just desperate mm. and they're looking for physical healing and they may not be ready to look at, you know, the the depth of, you know, what else is contributing to this. Right. Uh, and I get other clients that, that want to see, you know, what is that? What, you know, what is my part in this? Mm -hmm. um, and so from a from an emotional spiritual place i mean i could say trauma but it, it, so many things can be interpreted as trauma whether right. it's 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 real abuse sexual abuse or whether it was just getting yelled at and that person was so sensitive that they interpreted that mm -hmm. as some sort of trauma that started to to change things within them or started to create certain beliefs or fears mm. um, and sometimes those are connected to past lives and past uh, stuff coming through. So, I, you know, I don't, I don't dive into that. That's, that's yeah. more Nidra's area. Um, oh, Nidra, that's my next question for you. So a lot of my, uh, my clients, a lot of other clients of other modalities, what they typically find is that their clients body pain, body pains um, reflect unresolved family issues. And it could be in this lifetime or even other lifetimes that they have had. Um, have have you run across this in in your work? Yes. Can you give us an example of one and maybe like this lifetime where they had to resolve and maybe it's something that they carried on from a previous lifetime? I actually call that a back a background life reading, and typically what um, when when a person finds that they want one is let's say they are, let's say they're very successful in the world mm. and, um, and they're able to uh, uh, run a, a good size organization, whether mm. that's small, medium, or large. And they find to their frustration that there's some pattern that seems familiar in some way mm. that crops up in their life uh in their life um what seems like with no logical reason but when it does crop up they feel completely different than their empowered self they uh -huh. either get uh, agitated or they get Fearful, fearful is a big one. Yeah. Um, so they're triggered. They're triggered. They're triggered. And they don't know mm. how to get out of it. And they've tried different things and they don't know what it is. So that's where a background life reading typically um, uh, is very helpful. And 
and I, I go, I start with the client and what happens is I, I find myself traveling to different points of their timeline, going typically going backwards, not mm-hmm. all the time, but it doesn't matter to me. I, I just go with wh- where wherever I'm going. Mm-hmm. and, and I make a point of saying, okay, look at when you were 27, look at, okay, now I'm at 23 and now I'm at 17 and, and, and I'll share with them what it feels like, mm-hmm. what I'm being shown, what I'm seeing as that 17 year old. And, um, and then I'm, I go all the way, I, I find myself all the way back to infancy Mm-hmm. And I travel into another lifetime. It's not necessarily the last lifetime. Right. That's why I call it a background life. And um, and it becomes really fascinating. So let's say, let's say someone comes to me because they have a, a, a constant shoulder problem. Mm-hmm. And, and they just don't know there's, you know, they've gone to the doctors. They don't know what it is. They've gone to Derek. It's helped a little bit. Um, but it's still there. They're coming back, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so then in the past life, what I see all all of a sudden I see, and this is an example that has Mm -hmm. been written about. So I, I feel free to share this, but in, in this past life, in this background life, I see an old world energy and it's like 1200 century Mm -hmm. and um and there's a a a line of people patiently waiting outside this old house like Mm -hmm. structure and they're waiting to go and waiting to be seen or something and then I zoom in and I see a a person standing and it's a woman and it does it doesn't necessarily mean that the person that my client is is a woman, mm-hmm. but in this case it's a woman. And she's doing this. So I go around to the front and she's an herbalist and she's grinding the herbs. Oh, yeah. Like this. Okay. Yeah. And it's all day long. She's doing this. Yeah. And uh and it's really fascinating that that uh Amongst other things, she when when I come back and explain this to her, as well as what is what is actually really bothering her, mm-hmm. um, she's a, they're able to correlate it, and and there's a freedom in that. And of course, she says yes, that's my my shoulder has been bothering me, and then of course it clears up. Yeah. I mean, so did I, the past? Did the consciousness of that client? want to acknowledge that lifetime where she was a healer making you know medicine yeah she grinding felt med- very relieved that's typically what happens uh, they, they just want acknowledgement they, they well she wanted more than that but, really? but it helped her understand why she had the challenges in this life hmm. and that it it was it was related to never ever having children in that past life and at the end of her life in that in that background life she had regrets mm. uh, you know was this all worth it um and not being able to see all the people she she helped just at the end of her life wondering if it was all worth it and that she didn't have children 
And, and in fact, in this lifetime, she does, she didn't have any children and she's like feeling like unfulfilled. And she, the more she thinks about it, the more her shoulder is bothering her. So then I suggest that they do another round of sessions with Derek. Yeah. Because now he understands something that he can trace. Yeah. 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 That's really that. Yeah. That, that is really important because, um, so many people get these clients who have gone rounds with medical doctors and yes. x-rays and psychologists and you name it, whatever the insurance company is going to pay for, they do it. And they still get the same pain yeah. coming back. And they're like, yeah. We've, yeah. Done every- we've done everything. We have, we have nothing for you. And they're like, yeah. well, uh, and they're like, well, technically, according to the x-ray, according to all the, the mammograms, according to all the things that we've done to these clients, uh, you got nothing in there. There's nothing there that's causing you pain. This and you get you still feel it. And so you get these um I call them X-file clients. <laughs> like where you don't know what the deal is and oftentimes no matter the modality you use to see the the different past lives or future lives or other lives outside of this lifetime, it comes to something that happened in those lifetimes. And so, um, what's so it begs the question? Okay, so there is healing needing to be done in this lifetime to heal the other lifetimes that have unresolved stuck energy in them that's tied to this one that um, they brought with them to to resolve or to uh, reevaluate or look at and, and decide if they want to change it. So, in the case of that, what was the outcome for this person? Did they? resolve it or did they change um i'm trying to remember just a moment um yes Yes. well did you get a follow-up from the client what happened yeah um usually in a back uh, background life reading there's four sessions so the first session is the reading and then the follow-ups are you know how are you doing with applying that because it's so it seems so simple mm-hmm. and, and it's easy for them to just forget mm-hmm. and then re- go back into their old pattern. Yeah. So, so I create a package that let, let's, what are you doing with it right now? And okay, now what are you going to do with it ne- until the next time we meet so that you can really therapeutically exercise it, exercise new muscles to mm-hmm. be and understand the, the pattern, recognize it when it starts to come up. Right, right. Really, that's really fascinating work. Um, yeah, sometimes healing requires some background research and then some maintenance. <laughs> so yes. It's like a three-step process. So yes, uh, it is. Yeah, so let me ask you this question. So as a facilitator of energy healing, who does the healing? Is it the consciousness within the client or is it the client themselves that does it? Well, it's both. Both? But it's an agreed agreed thing? I would say, well, first of all, obviously for us, uh, the client wants it or else they would not be with us. So that's, that's an assumption. And then... The other part is to communicate with the body, mind, intelligence, the consciousness of that individual to say, this is what 
what she wants done. Um, and, and the assumption is also that we work with, we work with it more than an assumption, but for the mm. sake of this conversation, um, the assumption is that uh, they want to uncover the suppression they've had in allowing their uh, authentic potential to come forth. And well, that's a that, common, that's a common thing. Why do you, what do you find in mo- many clients that they hold themselves back from their fulfilling their, their potential in this life? Why do they hold themselves back so much? It's very I common. Say, I mean, of course, there's a lot of reasons, but I would say if I, if I were to generalize, it's, it's a result of residual energy and possibly background life. Mm. Uh, and, and, and the residual energy can go all the way from to childhood and the fears that come up and get embedded in a, in a person uh, mm. as a result of, you know, I told you not to go outside. Not to, now you got um, a bee sting. If you just mm. listened to what I say, you wouldn't have got the bee sting. And so in the child's mind, that interprets to something, whatever that is. But it's like it could interpret to I need to be obedient to this person for the rest of my life uh, or oh. I need to be obedient to authority for the rest of my life or I need to be isolated and kept safe because I could be hurt. Um, and those things could be uh, seeded and not necessarily come to fruition mm-hmm. until decades later. Well, let me ask you this as a parent. Because I, I do sound, you sound like me sometimes. I told you not to do that because this was going to happen, but it, you didn't listen and this happened. Now you're crying about it. Listen and learn. So for the parent that says that, how could they uh, say it differently to not imprint this fear? Yes, and that's that's something that we try to talk to parents about. Yeah, <laughs> I'm listening. Okay. So what, 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 if so you could well, talk to parents, all, what do they, what do you tell them? That this child is more than just a child. It is a, a, a being that is downloading and registering what you have to say to them. Mm. And, and so you need to be mindful of how you say it. And it could be the same thing that you're saying without the energy of you need to listen to everything I say. So take the charge out. Hurt. Right. So like remove the charge. Yeah. And yeah, remove the charge. Remove the charge. Say it from being present in the present moment and recognize that the child is in fear and is in pain and comfort that. And, And then say, okay, so, you know, what did we learn? You know, what did you learn? I mean, you, you, and and just guide the child based on what you know how to do. Taking that energy out is so important because, for instance, if we see our child running out in the street, we're going to mm. yell. Yeah. We're yeah. in fear that they're going to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, when we get them out of the street, don't ever do that again. You know, we yeah. have all this fear and this adrenaline. charge and adrenaline. Oh, my God. That really is our fear that we end up downloading into that child. Right, and, right. And, you know, it happens. And how can sometimes you just need to correct it. Sometimes you need to go back, as Nidra said, and, and then have that other, other conversation. A loving conversation. Yeah. You, can, yeah. you can have it in a stern way. Just take a breath. 
ask for guidance. Mm -hmm. You know, as, as parents, we don't think about that, especially when, when we're envisioning the child in trauma mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and they're not, but we're envisioning that could have happened. Oh my God. Yeah. And there's so have much charge to that because we love our children so much. We never want them to be hurt. Yeah. And you know, we're, so we're learning too, as parents. We're learning, we're learning. Well, I mean, I'll give you an example for myself as a parent. So my daughter is six, but when she was three at the swimming pool, she has a floaty and I, I tell her, always wear your floaty. You're not ready to swim on your own yet. You don't know how to swim. You're going to drown. And she wanted to impress the six-year-olds, the older kids. So she took her, her, um, floaty off and jumped in the deep end of the pool and she was holding on to it and I walked by and she's like hi mommy and I looked down and I didn't even think about what was happening and I said what are you doing without your floaty she's like I'm gonna swim and she let go and she started to sink and this happened in literally like a, a like a one second thing and it, but it felt like eons it felt, and somehow I'm screaming I'm like having an outer body experience. I'm screaming, um, going, who is that woman that is screaming? That's, my, that's how I know I'm having an outer body experience. And all of a sudden, this hand comes out in front of me, which I'm completely disconnected from my body because I'm still thinking about this person screaming. This hand comes out and pulls her out. And it was my hand, but I was so disassociated from my body that so mechanically somehow my hand decided to do what it did because I it wasn't my brain because my brain was thinking about the screaming lady who's what is going on and I told her I said I told you not to um go in the pool without your float on because you're going to drown and that's exactly what happened and it took a while for her to register and then she registered and then she started crying and she keeps reminding me every time we go to the pool, mommy, remember when you saved me from drowning because I didn't listen to you? She remembered that experience very, very well. Um, but how in that situation or similar situations, how can a parent take the charge out of that incident? So it doesn't, so it's not so memorable and traumatizing because my six-year-old now still remembers that, like yesterday, because of how I reacted at the moment. Well, there's two things. There's one is the is the freak out of the parent. Oh yeah, and that's a separate thing that we could talk about for for a long time. And the second part of it is the child releasing herself from the floaties, and then you seeing her. Um, starting to drop down into the water, not drown, but drop down. That's the truth. She wasn't mm -hmm. drowning yet. She mm -hmm. was dropping down into the water. So without, without the charge thing, which of course is a complicated factor, but without that, speaking to parents, you just dive in the freaking pool and get your daughter, you know, yeah. and you bring her up and you go, okay, you know, I'm, you know, and then bring her out and pray and breathe and, you know, give her love. It couldn't, she's not thinking of anything, you know, yeah. she let go. She did. You know. So then you have to explain it to her in a calm and loving and supportive yet grounded and parenting way. So, you know, I, I understand there's complications. 
because I actually had a similar experience. Oh, did you really? Yes. <laughs> the public pool. Oh, so boy. I'm not just wagging my finger at you. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and I was cursing and yelling at the lifeguard that was in the pool talking to another lifeguard. And my child, who was three years old. What is it about three? I they all know, know something. Three years old in the pool. And he was maybe five feet away from them. And I was screaming on the other side of a fence. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was doing more than scream. I was cursing like, mm. oh my God, you know, and they, you know, she, yes. she pulled him up <laughs> yeah. and, and I was freaked out. So I understand there's, there's two things going on here. You know? Yeah. 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 There's the child and then there's the freaked out parent <laughs> yeah you know yeah i guess it's something that we're just gonna have to work through um... now you can talk to her and say you know i freaked out yeah and, and the truth is you didn't drown you weren't drowning you were just dropping in the water uh -huh. drowning is a different experience yeah. but but what we do i do want you to learn from it and you clearly learn so if we can find a way to to heal this so that it's not a big deal from now on and that you've learned, you know? So that's, that's, the, ne that's the next step mm. is to, you know, to have that conversation so it doesn't keep looping in her mind mm -hmm. and, and, and she doesn't continue to, uh, to expand that loop and that mm. whatever the association is to, to say to her, in whatever way that you are asked for guidance to say, let's put this to rest. I know you got the, the point. I know, and, and I got a big point. I uh -huh. I was afraid. And, yeah. and, and you probably were feeling some of that. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's not, that you don't need to feel that anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so however it transpires or gets resolved, you can come back after and be like, okay, what did we, what yes. did we both learn from it? Yes. Or what did we learn from it? Okay. And just taking it as a life lesson. Let's see what we learn from this uh, yes. and go from that approach. Okay. Good, good advice for parents. Cause a lot of parents ask questions about, you know, how do you, how do you stay so Zen when the kids are really tearing at you? Um, and that's a good practice to do is, well, try to try to get your composer composure in the moment. But if you can't, that's understandable circle back and circle go through back. it circle back and go through it as what did we learn from and this own your part first mm -hmm. say you know when when that happened and i was yelling at you uh, whatever's true for you don't yeah 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 no but you know i was yelling i'm sorry uh, i get that i overreacted or whatever the truth is for you i felt like this make it simple and yeah. absolutely do not create it in a way that the child starts to feel like responsible for you feeling bad. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Cause it's, it's the charge that creates those uh, yes. memories that get yes. stuck in the body. Yes. Yeah, it's the charge. So if I, so if I, instead of freaking out like I did, I would just pull her out and just be like, okay, quick Zen moment. Okay, I told you not to do this. 
and now you you sang go take a break go <laughs> sit time out and we'll talk about what we learn mommy has to go to the bar first to come back <laughs> i don't know i have to go get going to have a double margarita first i'll talk to you after i get back to my zen <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have a second round of the barbecue. I'll come back to you about that. We'll talk about this. But then, yes, the, and of but, course, you're also monitoring that the child is not in trauma. That's yeah, because yeah, because they pick right. up the trauma from the charge of how you reacted. Because otherwise, they'd yes. be like, I don't know what the difference between doing this and doing this is until right. the reaction gives yes. them the clue of how. Oh, that was really bad. Yeah, and then and then it imprints on the body. Okay, I get what you're saying. Very very good. So. Uh, you hear that, everybody? Parents out there, please work on that. Okay. So. Give yourselves love too, parents. Yes. Yeah. We you all know, have our moments. We all have our moments. Oh yes, they can, can own them later. You know, can, to yeah. own them then. Yeah. We'll have the rest of our life to own all <laughs> once they move out of the house to kind of own um, all the different ways. But try our very best at the moment to take out the charge, find a little Zen way of dealing with it, and then. When you're ready, come back and talk about it. With love. With love. I love that. Yes. Very, very, very good. I will practice that. I, well, I haven't really um, had those moments very often, but um, it, the next one that comes through, I'm sure it will, because I also have a boy who is two, and he likes to throw things, and he has baby anger issues. <laughs> so so uh, I'm sure that will be testing um, our patients as well. So we'll work on that one. Okay, I have another question. I found that some of my quantum um, clients are living healthy lives, and they have a good family relationships. However, they still have anxiety, depression, and panic attacks about society so what recommendations do you two have about finding that i don't know if it's a aloha spirit or a connection to source through turbulent times in society well for me it comes back to my belief and my belief is metaphysical and it helps me to understand from my belief mm -hmm. that um that pre-utero, I was this spirit who was loosely architecting points in my life to experience and with the purpose of evolution, hmm. with the purpose of evolving my soul. And so <clears throat> when I feel overwhelmed or anxious, and I can feel overwhelmed and anxious, and I can feel depressed. Um, I give myself X time, depending upon the intensity and the bandwidth of being able to give myself X time. I give myself X time to just be with that. And Derek um, respects it and, you know, gives me space. And, you know, when he needs space, I give him space. But I give myself X time and in that X time, I allow myself to feel the anxiety, the depression, the whatever it is, and actually feel into that space. Mm. Now, I'm telling you what I do, mm. not necessarily what I would suggest for someone else, but it's what I do to, um, to understand, yeah, we, 
I get anxious. I mm. get depressed. I get angry. Um, and so how, what does that feel like? Why am I doing that? Not why am I doing that? But, you know, to look at it from an event point, why am I doing it from a, kind of like a learning point? Right. Right. Learning point. So is this like a coping skill that you use and that you, you advise people if they want to use it, this is how you do it. Maybe if they're asking for, how do I deal with how, what kind of coping skills can you suggest for, for, for clients when they're, when they're feeling upset about society, because they're not going to change society. Society's going to do what society does. Uh, I, you know, it, I'm going back to what I was saying. It's, it's, seeing that we are all evolving and we all have our unique way of evolving. So for me, that's what I'm going through. And why am I doing that? I, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm exploring Mm -hmm. my feelings and seeing where, what, what it has led me to. And, and somehow that that helps me shift. It helps me see myself from be- when I'm sitting in it and exploring it. After I do that, I step out of that. There's a there's an energy field that mm-hmm. it is in because it's it's not everywhere. Yeah. And I step out of it, and then I look back and realize, okay, that's an event I've created. Do I need to continue to create that? Do do I need? To, do I want to allow my recognition of what I've learned? Right. And eventually, I say yes. I want to allow my recognition of what I've learned, and then I shift. So, not sure. Is there some? Is there a yeah, way? Derek? How do you cope with anxiety from or depression about society? I think I think one thing that is. It's helpful when when I see that uh, with I, I don't typically experience that myself, but I see it with a lot of clients uh, about just society and often those clients that are experiencing that are highly sensitive mm. and they often have levels of empathic abilities or even, you know, other other abilities and they're starting to feel into what's happening with other people or what could happen. They're um, filling into the collective. Yeah, sometimes they're yeah. filling into the collective. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's projection of what could happen or what might happen if, you know, this and that happens. And okay, or they're, so they're perceiving the fear in the of the collective. Sometimes okay. it's happening. So when, mm-hmm. um, uh, you, when I'm working with my clients, it is it is about helping them go deeper within themselves. So w- what I see is when when they try to breathe through that, they usually, this is similar to what Nidra was saying, but they usually stop themselves at mm. some place um, because they're afraid if I let go and go deeper and see what the deeper truth is for me that I'm gonna fall apart or I'm not gonna be able to handle it. Or I'm gonna I die. Can't keep, I'm gonna- I can't keep it together. I got to yeah. keep it together because everybody else is looking at and me. I need to hold yeah. on and not not let this overtake me. But often is that the, more common in men or women? Um, I don't know. I it, 
my, I, I can only say that from a biased place and the biased place is probably 70% of my clients are women and 30% are men. So <clears throat> yes, it's more in women, uh, but that's only because I, I have more clients that are women. So I can't really tell you that that's more common. What do, you, what do you think, um, Nija? Is it more common in men or women, this, this suppression of dealing with emotions that arise about angst against both. society or other things? You think it's think both? Yeah. They, Where they, do you guys think that comes from? Men deal with it differently than women, but it's still, yeah. they're still affected. But mm -hmm. if, you can, if you can breathe down and go see where that stop is mm -hmm. that Nidra was talking about, where she takes the time to see what that is and allow yourself to breathe even deeper into your body, allowing yourself to bring your breath down to your second chakra or, or <clears throat> somewhere in there and hold that and, and feel that connection within yourself and then feel that connection with the earth. And, and um, by, by letting go and letting down the walls more, mm -hmm. uh, it sounds counterintuitive, like you're, you're gonna just fall apart, but actually people typically will be less affected mm. by, the, by all the energy out, out, that they're being surrounded with or tapping into, and they begin to tap into that deeper part of themselves. So it, it's just another way of saying what, uh, what Nidra was saying of really exploring and allowing yourself to explore deeper within mm. yourself and seeing where is that wall and what, what okay, why am I stopping here? What, what is this about that I'm stopping at? And right. can, I, can I breathe deeper? Is there more for me to see? And yeah. asking questions. That's really, that's really good suggestion for coping skills um, that people can pick up. Uh, is it good to combine those coping skills of some kind of exercise like um, hiking or walking the dog or meditating or gardening? Can you, because some people need things to do. They can't just sit there and channel the energy through all the chakras. They, they need some, some, some people are busy bodies. Um, do you recommend anything that, that they can combine with that activity? Well, it really depends upon the person, person, but yes, that can be really, really helpful. Like walk, taking a hike or mm. going for a swim or just going for a walk, ideally in, in a natural environment um, or even just crafting or even mm. just music. Yeah. So th there are different things that, that help actually help shift the individual so can you shift first out of the intensity of the depth of the depression or the anxiety or the fear enough to, uh, to help you see it differently? So it could be a practice that could be done before perhaps so that you have the space to see it easier um, you know, without the intensity. Mm. it's another there's a we're going back to that taking getting out that charge <laughs> taking away the yes. charge yes because there is i mean you're right there is a charge that people whether it's to projection or the picking it up or whatever that that they are feeling about their anxiety or depression or whatever they're feeling about society and what's going on in society and not just not necessarily society but also about uh you know 
unease in their family and and loved ones situations because not everybody has uh, family or um, loved ones who have ideal situations in their life what do you what are a good coping skills so that sensitive people don't take on those issues into their body well i think the other thing to remember is um it, it, it especially with with your community that understands um energy is that if you already know that you're going into a a, a a group where historically uh the energy is kind of depressed so to speak mm -hmm. describe it however you want it's depressed you want to be the tuning fork that that holds the note that's higher you don't want to go in and attune yourself to that energy to that depressed energy Very so good. you don't have to be the clown you don't have to be responsible for uplifting them but you but you can be your own lighthouse you can choose not to attune to those to that energy and see them differently that that's your opportunity it's yeah. that okay they're having this experience what can i appreciate about them what can, why am i here yeah how can i enjoy or be myself while they're having that experience i don't need to attune to that and right. i don't need to judge them for it yeah. either as soon as you start judging that you start to attune to it yeah you start to go into their energy yeah. yes so yes i is... understand that they're they're having their own experience and there may mm -hmm. be amazing reasons for them to from a spiritual place for them to be experiencing what they're experiencing uh, and that's really none of your business you know that's yeah. their that's experience. their life lesson but how can you be in that situation enjoy the other parts of them uh or you know the the gathering that you're at right um, and still hold your note and stay with your own note right right you know in um in buddhism because I, I have to kind of tie some of these concepts to um the buddhist listeners um in buddhism what we call that and people have to remind themselves about this all the time because this is a common theme that people forget is tuning into other people's energy and then making it that their heart song and it's not even their stuff to carry around so it's it's the concept of stop looking out there for your bliss and start looking in here for your bliss stop expecting out there to smile but you smile and as because you're smiling everybody else out there will smile back same thing so um i really like that so you know i want to add one more piece in here because i do see a lot of people that have anxiety and it's not always about their sensitivities and it's not always about other things going on sometimes there's physical things there's physical conditions that create the feeling of anxiety that create that rapid heartbeat uh, mm. that create those things. So sometimes there's actually physical conditions that can be addressed uh, that will um, shift that considerably, especially mm. if they find they're having having that out of the blue. There's no nothing they can see. Connected. Is it like a medical thing that they can see a doctor about 
as they well. They see a doctor sometimes. Uh, so when you say conditions, do you mean symptoms or? Um, I mean that, uh, for instance, uh, a condition like Hashimoto's. Hmm. Uh, a lot of people who have Hashimoto's also one of the symptoms is anxiety that comes on and mm -hmm. and as a result of that that condition um can produce produce things like that within a body so it triggers some you know i don't know i'm not a doctor so i i can't talk about that yeah but yeah it triggers some response in their body that 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 uh comes out as that so yeah. um you know it's there's other things to look at too and yeah sometimes doctors can help or Sometimes people come to energy healers that can help with that, that can help help them shift that uh, from that place. Let me ask you something about energy healers because healers do exist. Uh, not everybody gets the privilege to experience or in, engage with, with, with healers, but natural healers do exist. And sometimes natural healers get to a point where their presence alone, their aura field alone is healing. Do you guys get to that? Do you guys get, I mean, I know you guys are practicing the modality with your body, with your mind, but um, is it just the aura field that's doing the healing? Ah, I just heard, I just saw a flicker on the screen after I answered that. Um, let me, uh, I'll jump into that. Uh, I, I'm sure there are. A lot of people that their presence just just uh, is healing it is healing um mm -hmm. when you talk about just a natural healer um i'm somebody that had to learn how to do this i'm somebody that might have that had some natural abilities to potentially do the work i'm doing but it also took a a hell of a lot of work and a hell and a lot mm -hmm. of training um for me to bring that out it wasn't just you know, I just woke up and I, you know, I could do what I do. So, uh -huh. um, yeah, I think it's, it's like, you know, you could have a child that has a natural ability to be a, a concert pianist, but if they don't get the right training and if they're not willing to dedicate and they practice uh, the muscle, huh? Practice the muscle, then they, they may never get, they may yeah. be a, a, enjoy piano playing, but they probably won't get to the concert level pianist unless they get you know, whatever level training that's, that's me. That's yeah. not, not that I'm a concert level pianist. I'm, uh, but I needed to put in the work. I needed to put in a lot of training. I needed uh, a exceptional teacher to help me and guide me along the way. Well, you um, married her. I, <laughs> you did. You did marry now. Marry yeah. Yes. You just weren't married. Now, let me ask you, Deidre, um, do you get like friends and families? Just, just, just hold my sick dog. Just hold my, just hold my sick dog. <laughs> I don't care what you do. Do you get some of that? Or, I used kinda... to. Okay. You used to. And what first, happened? First 10 or 15 years. I, I, I don't, I don't uh, emanate from that place anymore. Mm -hmm. Now you're trying to teach people to learn how to heal themselves. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Next step. Yeah. I, I, I asked that question because this is something that I've moved on and I, and I teach people how to, I, I always kind of give people, well, let me give you kind of a 30 second meditation that can help you address that, that issue or 10 second uh, modality. And I'll just give them a little tool that they can use and um, anytime they want to. And um, often when I'm, when I used to work in the office, I would have um, friends who would have nosebleeds and like, I got to find Vaughn and they would find me 
and they say hi and walk away and the nosebleeds would stop I'm like what did you want and they're like oh no I just wanted to look at you I gotta go now I'm like oh okay whatever so I don't know what I, I don't know what is the deal but I've had friends who would call me and it's like dire their, their, their cat is dying it's it's in his last limb rush over like it's the end of the world I swing by with my smoothie going what's what's going on and they're like oh the cat's running around again yeah you can go home now I'm like well I'm already here so let's hang out so but this is very common for people who have a healing energy so um for people who have a healing energy for small things uh naturally um they they may get this as well from people and so what what do you say to those people to okay well try to leave those people with an advice to learn how to heal themselves so that they're not reliant on the healer's time and energy all the time for these little things do you have anything for those people because we get a lot of healers watching the show Hmm. just a second I, nothing comes up. Nothing comes up. All right, so it's experience. Well, you guys, well, I well, I will say this. Just kind of like your um, example of your client who had a past life where she had her arm uh, or shoulder hurt because she was doing all this healing work and this grinding work and wondering in the end of her life was it worth it to do all this work and not have anything to show for in her personal life? It's a balance. It's yeah. a balance. So I, I would recommend it is a balance that if you come into that natural healing ability in your aura and this is what happens, then if it comes into your 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 space, then fine. But um, there is a balance because you do have your own life. You do have your own responsibilities and you do get to live your life the way you want as well. So it's too much service is less service for you as well as too much your service to yourself is less service to others that you have obligation to also provide that tuning fork for so that's my recommendation so I have another question moving on to another question this is one about folklores okay so there are a lot of folklores about planet earth being a living being and we are all part of her body and I know this is not a folklore. Um, I, I know that she's conscious. Um, and so does Buddhism and so does science. But there are people who believe that she is not conscious at all and she's separate from us. So what are your thoughts on that? And how can we be good caretakers of this lush garden that we have the privilege to live on? Well, that is, that is the $60,000 question. And the, and the guidance that we get is that it comes back to us evolving. And mm. in our evolution, we will experience more and more inner peace and well-being and a desire to share that inner peace and well-being with others as well as the earth. And, and that that is how we will care for the earth more and more. The message is let down your walls and expand 
and then repeat and repeat because humans tend to create self-imposed walls and within those walls they feel or have an association of comfort. And then when they let down the walls, they experience a, a, a sense of freedom, but the longer that stays out there, the more they start to feel discomfort with the fear of the unknown. So it's suggested mm. to us to switch the concepts and instead of feeling comfort within the walls, feel discomfort. And instead of feeling discomfort and fear of the unknown with the space, feel comfort and, and realize and allow and welcome that we are, we have the opportunity to expand and evolve. And once again, the evolution creates a self-awareness and we become more organically selective of how we care for our bodies and our minds mm -hmm. and how we care for other people. And that expands. I love that. That's a great answer about being good caretakers of Mother Earth. Now, um, this next question, uh, I'm going to ask Derek. This one's a space age question. Now we're going to go off planet outside of Earth. So I've spoken to a few Hawaiian mystics and shamans of various modalities from around the world who believe humanity is going to become intergalactic in this lifetime and will be in contact, or the next lifetime, and will be in contact with ancient star beings. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, when do you think uh, other sentient beings coming, in the cosmos are going to, you know, communicate? I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of energy towards helping humans awaken uh, yeah. so that they don't destroy this planet and don't destroy civilization. And there is a lot of support from the, the energies of this planet, as well as, as what some people call extraterrestrial beings or more enlightened civilizations right. that are um, communicating to many of us in various ways. Uh, uh, what you know, Nidra just shared, the messages uh, that there's there's communication for us to awaken and yeah. and, and that uh, in this lifetime I don't know if we're we're going to become intergalactic uh, but I think and what I what I feel is we're going to have a lot more uh, communication more and more people will have more communication with those beings that will will help to guide us towards our our own evolution our own awakening. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I talked to a lot of Buddhists, uh, monks and nuns who continue to say that um, it is the people who are reaching for higher levels of consciousness who are in the energy field to be able to communicate and have communication with these higher beings because they are, uh, they are ancient and they have been working this energy work for a very long time. They are really high frequencies. So uh, if you want to communicate with civilizations that are much more ancient and of higher frequency, you must at the very least 
be in Buddhism terms, fifth dimensional awareness or above, at least radiate at a certain level to be able to communicate. Otherwise, it's not going to make sense to you. Yeah, and all the, you know, we, we see so many movies that are, are fun, that are about, you know, other civilizations coming to destroy us and take uh -huh. us out. But, you know, that's fun, but in, in another sense, it's pretty silly. Because yeah. they, are, they are so advanced. If they wanted to take us over, they could yeah. have done that. Uh, millennia. Millennia ago. Yeah, yeah. And, and yes, they're out there. And yes, they're here to, to help us. Not yeah. to do some silly thing that wouldn't be of any benefit to them. Yeah, I mean... In my perception, and um, you know, sometimes Buddhists talk about different sci-fi topics just outside of their own um, studies, just for fun, um, based on what we know. And what we have to offer is, like you two, the aloha friendship, um, the you know, the the kindred spirits, the communication and sharing of wisdom, knowledge, et cetera. Because technology, we're not gonna be sharing technology. We're not gonna be sharing um, these uh, 3D physical forms because they have very advanced technology that already has done this a long time ago. So what I think and what many Buddhist monks and nuns think we have to share is, um, is that's friendship. So, um, you know, one last question. So you two have a 7,000 people wait list. Okay. And I've speaking, spoken to a lot of different modalities and different ways in which we can connect to, you know, in Buddhism, we call it crystalline or Christ consciousness or source or universe, whatever you want to call it, uh, and do energy healing. But I have not heard of a 7,000 people waitlist just to be able to attend the courses. So will you guys be offering courses on DVDs, books, a subscription basis, some kind of pre-recording? I mean, can you give some people some insight on what to look out for in the near future? I think, I think to clarify that waitlist a little bit, I, uh, we offer different, different um, uh, services. services on one of the services we offer, there's there's a 7,000 person wait list. Uh, and we've had to turn it into a lottery for who gets chosen to, to for that service. Other services have a month long wait list or two months long. Um, That's still so, a long wait list. Yeah, we, we're, we're pretty blessed that, that people find us. And um, so. I think one of the things we can share is that we, we are um, starting next month or this month. We're we're starting um, to to create uh, larger group healings, so people can so that we can include more people mm -hmm. in the yeah. healing um, in the healing groups that we have. So that that's expanding our our services to more people, uh, and in terms of courses. Uh, and that sort, we don't have anything planned right now. Uh, it's down the line and we've got too many, we've got so many other things going on. Uh, we are also in the midst of remodeling and expanding our, our residents here mm. to, uh, to go from one um, 
um, secure cabana to five secure mm. cabanas. And it's it's taking a lot of attention. Yeah. To so uh-huh. to be able to allow and, and the reason for that is is to be able to allow for people to come for healing mm. retreats and mastermind retreats and, and things like that. So we're being driven to expand to allow more people to to come here as well and feel the energy that we connect to with here in nature, which is it's and, wonderful. Yeah. It's a wonderful place in Hawaii. Um, which the, island? Which island? On the big island. Of on the Hawaii, big island. On the volcano of Kilauea. And we have 15 acres of beautiful rainforest here. So go visit Polly. Yeah, go visit Polly. So um, yes, we're, we're at the throne of Pele here. Yeah, we're at the throne of Pele. I love her, by the way. She's great. She's very sassy. Um, Wow. Well, there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot to um, look forward to. I do have the feeling that you two will eventually get to the point that you're going to be teaching your wisdom and your knowledge and your skills. Um, so, and that that's something that I hear constantly from a lot of different instructors of different modalities is that they're being called to um, expand their healing retreats and to start kind of multiplying themselves because the, you know, the should, volume is that, too big. I should say that we are doing that actually. Oh, good. Yeah, we have been doing that for free um, via the uh, in, an application called Clubhouse Mobile Drop-In. And it's, but it, unfortunately it's only for people who use iPhones right now. And it's still in, it's still in beta. Still in a beta. It's it's a new mm. social platform and it's audio. What's the name of it? What's the name of it? So people Clubhouse. do hear Clubhouse. Do you hear that, guys? Drop in. Clubhouse will drop in, but you have to have an iPhone and you have to be invited in by a member who has your contact information. So uh, what people do is they go to Clubhouse, uh, they go to the application store, app store, they fill it out. They grab their username, and when they do that, Clubhouse then has um, the ability to see their contact list, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Or, or yeah, the, and then they notify uh, current members, and they say, Joanne has just applied for Clubhouse. Do you want a letter in? Right. And so then you get in. And th- these rooms are live stream. You're not allowed to record. It's all in the moment. And we do rooms every week where we call mentoring. Mm. The heart-centered practitioners and coaches, light workers, energy workers. And we teach how for them to move forward in their work. Love it. Oh, that's great. Well, um, before I close out, do you two have a last message for everyone? wake up it's time it is time you know wherever you are whatever you're doing and whoever you're meant to serve whether it's just you or one person or a million people it's time just just take what you've got and be yourself don't no pretense no pretense is needed but what is wanted is your true self let down your walls expand 
and repeat. Wonderful. Well, Deidre, Derek and Nidra, thank you again for an enjoyable interview and for offering your expertise on distant quantum energy healing and metaphysics to the world online and in person. And I think so many people will connect to your spirits, benefit from your services and your teachings and wisdoms. So for more information, everyone, about the Lanaquila's distant quantum energy healing courses and their offerings, go ahead and visit their website, which is volcanoislandhaven.com. And thank you kindly to the listeners for listening to another enlightening conversation. Until next time, mahalo. Thank you, Vaughn. Mahalo and aloha. Aloha. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. For more information about today's guest, please go to the show description. For more information about Vaughn's metaphysical work, please go to MerkabaChakras.com. The views expressed today are for entertainment purposes and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Don't forget to subscribe for more interviews about the fifth dimension. Until we meet again, blessings.